Metrofocus has your front row seat to some of New York's most eccentric and unique performances. Filled with a rich history and a legacy dating back nearly 100 years, this sideshow by the seashore is not for the squeamish or the faint of heart. So join us for this backstage pass to the wonderful world of freaks, wonders, and human curiosities that will surely amaze you. Those stories and more as Metrofocus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wackenheim III, Philomen M. D'Agostino Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold. Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin, the JPB Foundation. The amusement industry begins in Coney Island. Coney Island invented the hot dog. Coney Island invented the roller coaster. Coney Island invented soft ice cream. Coney Island invented the awful American habit of fast food, of eating in the street. Blame Coney Island, but understand the importance of Coney Island. As a kid, I would always like devour like documentaries about Coney Island and books about Coney Island, just looking at the pictures like, <gasps> wow. Historic Coney Island. Oh my gosh, it's mind boggling. You can't compare it to this Coney Island. It has so much history, circus, sideshow, magic, amusement parks, the birth of the roller coaster. One of the most famous roller coasters that was ever built is the Cyclone, and it's still up and running. You're a kid, it's the best backyard in the world. I got the ocean rides and a sideshow? I mean, come on. Brooklyn used to be a borough that got no respect, and even within Brooklyn, Coney Island rarely got respect. Dick Siggins' overblown mermaid parades, circus sideshow, all the programs, and the museum. I think it underscored to people that this was an important place. We're important for the arts, we're important as a neighborhood, we're important as a destination. You can come on in at any time. So stop on by, step right up, and you will see them all live on the inside. Sideshow is almost like a secret society, but it doesn't really have the rules of a secret society. It just exists, and there's a whole bunch of freaky and interesting artists and personalities who hang out around here. And people look out for each other. The Sideshow was the tent outside of the circus, the extra attraction for one mere dollar. So we are the extra attraction that's now in a unit itself. If they've seen the sideshow, if they also come to the museum, I think it 
puts Coney Island in a more sophisticated context. It has to reflect New York City the way Times Square, Central Park, Harlem reflect New York City. And that's why we do it. Coney Island USA Sideshows by the Seashore runs a 10 in 1 circus sideshow. And that's 10 acts for one low price. The audience that we get here is really a cross-section of what America is and, you know, what America should be. You're getting tourists. You're getting, you know, people who speak English, people who don't speak English, families, punks, adults, you know, it runs the gamut from, you know, soup to nuts here. Sideshow, for the most part, has gone underground and gone punk rock and catering to the weird and the adults. But I think the magical thing about this place is a little kid can watch it and it's funny and it's acceptable and it's showing them something weird that's also acceptable. It's cheaper than a movie and it's live entertainment. Especially when you're this close to the stage. The fire eater spits out a fireball and the entire audience feels the heat on their face. I mean, you know it's real. What makes someone want to become a performer? That's another story. <laughs> My name is Wendy Blades. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I've got a heart of gold and a stomach of steel. I'm a professional sword swallower. I love dangerous acts. I do and have done many dangerous acts, especially here on this stage in Coney Island. I was a little bit of a wild child. I was a little bit of the black sheep of my family, even though my father was the original black sheep, but I was the black sheep's daughter. My father, he's been coming here since he was a child. And now I'm here carrying on a legend, a fourth generation New Yorker. Great, great, great grandmother was on the Mayflower. Her last name is inscribed in Ellis Island. Well, today I'm doing straight jacket all day, so I'm going to get a little bit crazy and wild on the stage, which is fun for me because I get to let loose and be this like insane character. I would say Houdini was the first one to make it an act. What's really awesome about Sideshow and Circus is that we really are using our bodies. It's real. It's as real as it gets. I would hate to just stand here and swallow swords for an audience just how they would back in the day. So that, that's the modern take on what I do is I don't just swallow swords for an audience. I have a story, I have a character, I have a song, I have a dance, I have a script. I've always was a performer. I just didn't know it yet. People call me Jelly Boy. A lot of times Jelly Boy the Clown. But I'm originally from a little town called Suffern, New York. My older brother, he was a very strange, surreal artist. And pretty much when he died, I dedicated my life to the pursuit of the strange and just deciding to find other strange people, 
that felt a little bit on the outside and, and bringing people together to create a spectacle or a show. Sacrifices is things like, I don't have a normal life. Not that I really wanted a normal life, but for instance, I'm not married, I don't have any children, you know, I don't have a house, I don't own anything. I basically have all the things that I have in my bag that I travel with around the world, and the road is my home. Things have been happening in here, in Coney Island, since the beginning of American Sideshow. So I started coming and I started getting carried away with the enthusiasm of what it was all about. On our stage now, live on the outside, it's Miss Sage Sovereign. Yes indeed, my friends, and she is our fire eater. She comes to us from Dallas, Texas. And my name is Sage Sovereign. Just growing up, I had a super musical household. I was obsessed with um, gymnastics, opera, and uh, circus and sideshow. Uh, upon moving to New York, I, I really felt really lost as to my path and lost as to what I wanted to do and say. I remembered the, how passionate and excited I was when I played with fire for the first time. I remember the power and the energy from it and how it brought me up really into myself. Um, so yeah, New York City was, uh, was when I like, officially like, dedicated myself to, to really learning fire and really performing with it. I don't want to just show people a series of tricks. I want people to experience an emotion. Uh, someone came up to me in the, in the freak bar after one of my shows and they're like, when you performed, I felt like I could, I, felt like all my worries and my bills and everything that I that I was experiencing just like vanished from my mind and I was so there so present there with you. So we're always wanting to transport people. You know him, Wolverine, Juggernaut? Yeah. Yes. Well this guy is all of those people wrapped up into one, condensed into the beautiful body of a marsupial. He is the electric koala prince, the Velvet Crayon! My name is Velvet Crayon. I'm uh, mostly I'm a musician in the show. Because I am a natural born freak, kind of whatever I want to do can be classified as sideshow. A natural born in the sideshow world is somebody born with a deformity, but and, and we've actually been debating this uh, a bit, what that means. So uh, by the definition that I've been uh, adhering to, I guess, is that um, a natural born doesn't necessarily mean somebody with a disability that does sideshow. Because in the modern culture, so many things are considered a disability, but walking out in the world, you're not a freak. Being a natural born is more about physically looking different. So that when we leave the sideshow, we still look this way. My bones are a little less dense than yours, so they break just a little bit easier. With that said, this is a traditional act that dates back from before the 1940s, and it's called an Ask Me Anything. I uh, do an act where I allow the audience to ask me anything after I explain my disability to them. I was just thinking about what old sideshow freak show used to be about, and it was, you know, uh, a freak would be there and you could just talk to them and 
you know, they say that some of them were laughed at, sure, but a lot of them, some of them were very educated people, not a lot of them, but some of them were, and you could talk to them and learn about their differences and everything. So I wanted, wanted to see how to do that in the modern day. It could be something you always want to ask somebody that was born different, but might have been nervous of their response. Trust me, the guy in the freak show is not going to judge you. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm taller. I'm about three feet tall. I think it's shorter, like this tall if I was standing, but I can't do that. I think I always knew I was different in some way, you know, and I broke bones a lot because I grew up with brittle bones, uh, osteogenesis imperfecta and it means my bones are less dense than everyone else's, uh, they, so they just break easier. My brother was athletic and he ran cross country and I wanted to do it, so they found organizations uh, now known as Wheelchair Sports USA, and uh, I got involved with that, and then I started to see people with disabilities, and that made me realize I was different, and that was a really cool thing. The sideshow we do is run by the right people with the right education. I, I like to keep a run about how many shows we did. It's, it's, it's fun to keep a, a, a record of things. So if we hire disabled performers, we're at the forefront of advocating for diversity of disabled performer, so a disabled person, yes, can be a doctor, can be a lawyer, but they could also be a rock star in the Coney Island Circus Sideshow. Zip and tip the pin-headed people, a sample of the marvelous freaks you'll see for the price of a small tin dime. And if there are questionable things in the history of Sideshow, we deal with that carefully, and you have to trust us. We're trying to break new ground. I really do think this place does uh, try to project people with disabilities as like the royalty of Sideshow and put us out there in a way that, you know, it's, hey, we're different and, and this is a safe space to be different. I just am a natural born, and no matter what I do, I'm going to be one. So I just want to be good for cripples. Not necessarily sideshow, not necessarily freak show, but good for my people and, and my minority. And, and I think one way to do that, my own revolution is to be out there and be in people's eyes and be like, well, here I am, whether you like it or not, and I hope you like it. You've seen it on TV, now you have to see it live. It's the Coney Island Sideshow. Freaks, wonders, and human curiosities. Mercy, what a show. From the 1950s to the mid-1960s, this was the Wonderland Circus Sideshow with some of the famous um, freaks and unusual performers who are now in the Sideshow Hall of Fame actually worked in this building. We did rent the building on the boardwalk that's now Nathan's on the boardwalk, and we were there for 11 years. You had John Bradshaw, who was the talker. You know, big guy, heavy guy with a deep southern drawl. And he was the one who's outside on the stage, and he would try to get you in on the stage. You know, I was just a, a kid who would come week after, I was a groupie, week after week after week, just because I thought it was cool. 
my boss, Dick Sigan, I know him since I'm seven. My dad met him and started working with him and he fell in love with the sideshow. I used to watch the sideshow on the boardwalk. I was terrified of it. I used to hold on to my father's sweater and I was scared to come and see Madame Twisto's blade box. And now I do Madame Twisto's blade box 35 times a week. Talk about irony. Or maybe things that were meant to be. It's stuck. Friends, what do we do when something is stuck? Push it. Push it harder, that's right. Okay. Thank you, random disembodied voice. <laughs> the sideshow was here hundred over a hundred years ago. Dreamland Circus Sideshow was one of them. Marie Roberts, the banner painter, her uncle Lester was the outside talker for the Dreamland Circus Sideshow. Her banners, you know, are all along the front of the building, in the inside of the theater, inside of the bar, all over the place. I grew up not only speaking Carney, but I grew up with all the sideshow lore that my father, my uncle, and his brothers spoke about. Is I am Gizoni, Gizoni is island to Dizay. I said, I'm going to Coney Island today. The banner that's hanging in the Coney Island Museum, in the center is my Uncle Lester on the left, and he's pointing to five of his friends from the Dreamland Circus Sideshow in the 1920s. For me, it was kind of a weaving together of both halves of my life. And the very wonderful reality, the Toulouse-Lautrec reality I have now where I can go and watch the sideshow over and over and over and keep drawing and making paintings and prints from them. It still amazes me to look out the window and see people are stopping to look at my banners and coming into the show. When I met Dick Ziggin, it seemed like I found a tribe of like-minded people. And it kind of gave me a place to be at home, a place where I could be accepted. It gives you a sense that, that you're not alone, as strange as you are, or as weird as your life has become. You know, you're, you're in the right place. Next Sunday for them, today is my last day. Uh, yeah. You're gonna have a going away little shindig. Yeah, what would say it's a new tradition? I mean, it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a newer tradition. We've been we've done it all season. Uh, the cast comes out and we uh, we do a quick toast on stage in front of everyone, really to show that like it's not just a job. We are all very very much family. We fight like family, we love each other like family. When we gotta come together, we come together as family. And if anybody from the outside tries to mess with us, we we really, we really stick together like family, right, Xander? Yeah, that's right. You hear that, Sam? Better not mess with us today. <laughs> what you wanna use is uh, thick glass bottles. You hear that? That's real glass. I moved it around in the bag, moved it around in the bucket, dumped it on top of my pile. 
Now I'm all set to walk on it. So I just was founded about 17, give or take 17 years ago. They uh, started up the school with the hopes that they can keep these traditions alive. You can hop up. When, when you hear that, that <laughs> like the cracking, that, like that popping, that's some of these sheets of glass that are just breaking down into smaller pieces. The majority, of 90% of these bottles are smashed right here at Sideshow School. I took the class, I think it was the second ever class. So I'm a student, I'm a graduate of the Sideshow School, and then it was about six years after I had taken the class that I was approached. Is gonna go can you teach the Sideshow School? Not on the ribcage. You can come to Sideshow School, learn it the right way from professionals in the safest atmosphere, and learn the true safety of every act. A little bit more, right, boom, like that. The swords that we use in the show do not collapse. There's no such thing as cold fire. Yeah! Oh, it can't be real. It, you'd burn your mouth if you put it in your mouth. It's gotta be cold. What is cold fire? There's no such thing as cold fire. And when you see the show and you break it down, the audience is walking out of here saying that that is really impressive. I mean, these people are daredevils. They're, they're risking their lives for our entertainment. The American Sideshow has got a place in the future. It's got a place in the past. It had a time where it had, it had dipped out because it was extremely popular at the turn of the last century. And then through the invention of radio and television and the, and the, the world wars, it took like a nosedive into obscurity and that was tough. It survived. There were a few troops that kept it going in carnivals and in dime museums and things like that. Now it's, it's on a comeback. The electricity, between the audience and the performers and the back and forth, the conversation that's happening in the performance, it's, it's contagious. It definitely has a place. Live entertainment needs to make a comeback. I think the only way to preserve it is to let it grow and don't be held down by what Sideshow was. Allowing the artists just to do what they want within reason, you know, of course, is a way to preserve that. Cozy Fontute at the Met, like that show was an amazing experience because it merged opera and sideshow. It worked so well and it's like, it's something that people wanna see and these people who had never seen sideshow were astounded by it and like, and so it's never gonna die because it, it is so exceptional and it is so unique. To me, it inspires me to create, like, make my own opportunities and create more of my own like path and create more environments for other women to work with a female producer. Making the impossible possible is what this stage shows an audience. It gives them this feeling that you don't get to feel every day. You walk in here and you leave your troubles and everything behind because here it's mind over matter. <laughs> I believe I'm supposed to be here right now, doing this, carrying on this dying art. 
I say that every day in my performance to the audience as I'm performing, that I take pride in being a modern day sword swallower. I'm 26 years old, I'm young, and I have a shot at inspiring women and keeping a dying art alive. So I should be here. I'm at the right place at the right time. I do have this, which will, which will help you see that I am a clown. See, I'm, I'm allergic to glue, so I can't glue noses to my face. So I had to come up with this, the nose that you can hammer onto your face. Once you have these two things, all you need is a hammer and a face. Now, if you can't find a hammer, one of these will do just fine. This is the Merman IPA. I think you're drinking one, too. You can get it at the Freak Bar here at Coney Island. You take it and you chisel the nail into the nose, and then you take the nose and you hammer it onto your face straight back just missing the brain. That's the key part to the whole thing. If you want to try this at home, don't try this at home. And you just hammer it straight back. Until you become a clown. And then, uh, okay. Thank you, good night. Thanks for tuning in to MetroFocus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with MetroFocus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play MetroFocus, the podcast. Also available at metrofocus.org, WLIW.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app.